0: Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra, and we, Father David Pelican, as we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. Well, welcome, everybody, to another edition episode of Men of the Hearts Podcast. Last time we had on Father Cell, who talked about some wonderful things, he had a miracle story in there as well. If you haven't Ooh. listened to it, please go listen to it. It's actually really amazing to hear his story. Before that, we talked to father david's brother in-law that's right the paterfamilias. <laughs> and learned John about Pratt. uh what it is to be a father of children and uh This week we have on a special guest, a truly special guest, one that we all know, but we're going to focus a little bit more on his vocation story and his life, our own Father David Pelican. So Father David Pelican, thank you not only for being the co-host, but also being the object of our podcast today.
1: Well, it's, it's, as always, it's a joy to be here, especially after uh, I was out last time with Father Sal. I, I missed him.
0: Yeah, you so. had the sniffles because you were on a plane for 21 hours or something like that. Oh boy, yes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm sure we'll get to that. I'm yeah, sure so we'll what's been that. going on? Where where did you go when uh, you got your sniffles? Well, I was actually
1: out in California, which is a great place to be this time of year. Um the The Saint Paul Institute Biblical Center really um, put on a retreat for priests. So I was there with golly, there it was probably about a hundred priests there total. Don't quote me on that, uh, but it was a lot of priests, and, uh, and we just we dove into the scriptures, we relaxed, uh, we prayed together, and it was it was a beautiful time. So it was priests from all over the country, really, and and some from even out of the country. And uh, we gathered, we just heard, like, great speakers, scholars, Dr. Scott Hahn, uh, Dr. Bergsmont, and then uh, Dr. Tim Gray as well were the three main speakers there, as well as our own Ralph Martin was there for some workshops.
0: Great, great. So, yeah. I don't. I think our listeners might not know that a priest is supposed to take a yearly retreat for at least five days, correct?
1: That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's in canon law.
0: It's in canon yeah. law. So explain, like, what a retreat usually looks like. I know you had some talks and things, but what else do you do oh, yeah. on retreat? Yeah. So I don't necessarily think I'm going to count this as my
1: canonical retreat. I like to go a little, a little quieter for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, uh, I don't even count towards education, but, uh, but it certainly could have been a retreat. Um, the daily schedule, they had a lot planned, but then you could go to as much or as little as you wanted to. So most mornings they started out with, with breakfast and then morning prayer together in common. Then they'd have a talk. Uh, John Bergsma was always in the morning, and he'd give a talk on some aspect of the scripture. Um, The theme was holiness in the Bible, so he would talk something about that. Um, And then usually we would have mass together if you wanted to join in, and then lunch. uh, After lunch, we'd have another talk, and then some time for recreation and or a workshop. Um, I usually just did recreation. Then, you know, we were at a we're at a winery in California, so I walked around a little bit, got to see the fields and such. Um, and then we had dinner together. Uh, while we were there, uh, it was Pope Benedict's funeral. Mm. And so the, the guy in charge of the winery uh, brought out a wine that he'd made called The Two Popes that he had made when, uh, when Pope Benedict resigned and Pope Francis was elected. So, wow. so we had some of that. It was very fitting. Um, yeah, but it was just—and then we'd had a talk in the evening and then just social time. So it was, it was kind of a loose structure, which was nice. Went with a couple other uh, friends from the Detroit area. and Met a whole bunch of new, new priests from around the, the U.S.
0: Yeah, I think in my life of, of the priesthood, I've only done like two directed retreats as a priest. I normally like to get away and just get a cottage somewhere or somewhere at a retreat sure. center and just kind of be by myself sure. and keep silent, pray when I want, sleep when I want. Yeah, you know, just or kinda... like
1: the hermit feel.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Read a holy book and just kind of be engrossed in that and praying to the Lord, go on for long walks if they yeah. have a beautiful setting outside or something like that. Nice. Yeah, yeah that's,
1: uh, that's probably more up my alley for a retreat as well. So.
0: Well, we know you like to walk around in forests, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Go on your that's long hikes right. where you uh, eat only bran flakes or what is it that you well, put together? Well, no, 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 no. So... so <laughs> <laughs> I'm Going on a tangent here, but uh, I put together a nice trail
1: mix. I have granola and peanut butter in the morning. Usually a trail mix for lunch, and then something a little fancier for dinner. Yeah, I'd be starving all the whole time. Yeah, well, it's it's a science, you know. You don't want to you don't wanna pack too much food, then you got to carry it, right? But if you pack too little, you do get pretty hungry
0: by the end. So. Yeah, yeah. And uh, confirmations been going on over at uh, Divine Child.
1: That's right. That's right. We moved our confirmations to between uh, Advent and Lent. And that's worked really well for us. We had Bishop Hanschen come out, confirmed seventy-two of our, our 72. young people. Seventy-two. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it was a good, good crowd, and uh, Bishop Hanschen did a, did a great job with the mass. He uh, he pulled out his ukulele and played this little light of mine, which is kind of his signature. Yeah. Um, but it was just, it was just a beautiful mass overall, and, and especially now, like I've been there almost three years, I know the the kids getting confirmed pretty well, and so even doing interviews with them was was a real joy.
0: And you started your second class now. Yes, I
1: started my second semester of philosophy, so a little easier now that I've done it once. Of course, there's plenty of stuff I'm trying to change, but uh, yeah, diving in. The you D shared crew. with
0: me a little secret about what the kids are saying about your class. What, what, what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the rumor is that I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of a tough teacher.
0: That's mm. what they say. <laughs> I think
1: some people thought that you know Father David it's going to be the easy A, and uh, I'm pretty fair. I don't give them a lot of homework. But, uh, you know, I do expect them to take good notes and, and review those. No so. makeup? Oh, well, I don't give extra credit, or at least I haven't yet, you know. so. Uh, but I think my tests are pretty fair, you know. Yeah, if you do the work. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. No, no, that's, that's kind of been my life. How about you, Father Craig? Anything new going on with you?
0: No, it seems like this uh, year I've been going to a lot of schools, a lot of high schools and and middle schools and even uh, grade schools as well, and it's really kind of a blessing. You know, I I really enjoy giving homilies to kids. I try to make it a little bit more fun and and do uh, different things, try new things out, and you never know how it's going to work because it's not your community and you don't know necessarily how the kids are going to react, but I've been pleased that it's gone good so far, so... uh, I'll keep on bringing out some of those unique homilies and things like that. So that's that's, that's always a fun, and I've been going to a, a lot of parishes on the weekend as well. And it just it's nice to, to go on a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon, hear confessions, do mass, and then come back for the morning mass. As it just makes me feel like a pastor again. So that's l- true. Yeah, that's true. A little, you're a little removed from that as
1: vocations. Director. Yeah,
0: it's so weird. Like you guys, when you get busy at Christmas or Easter, is like when I get my downtime because no one's <laughs> inviting me to their school or. Or things that's like that point. during Christmas. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of an opposite schedule. So it's nice when I'm at a parish for the weekend. I really feel like a pastor again. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. And I'll be actually getting to go to a school to do um, ashes for Ash Wednesday. So um, that will be a lot of fun as well.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're gearing up for Ash Wednesday at Divine Child, too. We got lots of ashes, you know, lots of masses. I think we got five masses that day.
0: be busy does divine child use the ashes from the palms from last year where you burn them or the ones that you buy at a store you know we we used to use the ashes that you you burn from the palms
1: we don't anymore because what we found is they don't stick as well yeah that's true and uh, i was talking to a guy at root candle which is where we get our ashes you know and uh, he says they mix a little bit of oil in with their ashes I also find they're blacker so that they yeah. work real good. You know, you get a big bold cross, you know, so yeah. you can stick and everyone can see that for the rest of the day. Yeah. If they're not Catholic, they think you got like just dirt on your forehead. Yeah, you yeah. A little opportunity for evangelization there. You
0: ever see that poster of the different types of uh, crosses on the <laughs> forehead, like yeah. n- 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 need a toner, load yeah, toner? Yeah, or yeah. Father's <laughs> Revenge, big
1: black one. Yeah, yeah. it's
0: always great. Um, do you like saying, uh, dust you are and dust you shall return, or repent and believe in the gospel?
1: You know, it depends. I was actually thinking this year, just because of the homily I'm planning to preach, I'll probably use repent and believe in the gospel because I'm going to focus on that, kind of that change of mind and heart hmm. that is repentance. So, yeah. yeah,
0: that's great. That's great. I also got to go to a concert, and I got to hear some great musicians do some really cool things. Oh, you might right. know that you might know some of the people, but... Uh, We'll keep it a mystery of what concert I went to, but uh, we'll keep it a mystery. The drummer, though, he was—he was oh, on fire. He, okay. he was on fire. <laughs> was was on fire. Yes. Nice. Yeah. nice. Yeah. So, hey, Father a, David, a good drummer can can make can make it or break it. You know, so. it's true. It's true. I mean, if you got it, you need a good drummer. That's right. That's right. It's the backbone of everything. Like, Amen. You need a good drummer. Yeah. There's different types of drummers and different styles. As long as it's good, <laughs> yeah. it's good. Skill, keep
1: the rhythm. You
0: know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so father Good. david you have some big news for us and we wanted to do specifically this podcast just to talk a little bit and give you a little bit of forum kind of talk about um what's going on in your life because there are some major things going on in your life right now and so wanted you to share a little bit uh, about that but you know before we get into the big news Cliff cliffhanger cliffhanger okay. before we get into the big news why don't you kind of retell your vocation story you don't have to go into much detail but like remind the the listeners kind of how, what brought you to the priesthood what your priesthood has looked like so far and the big news that's going to happen
1: all right sounds good well so just a little bit about my my vocation story this is a throwback to episode 1 right when we we were just figuring out what uh what, what we were doing we were pretty clueless it's a little bit of a, r- a rough episode if you give it a listen yeah, we've gotten yeah, better yeah. since yeah. then <laughs> um, but my vocation story um, I think it you got I have to start with my family because I have a, I have a wonderful family um, my parents uh, kind of had a bit of a deepening conversion they grew up Catholic but had a, a deepening conversion when the kids were young when we were young and uh, really got serious about their faith and, and passing that on to us and so um uh, yeah, I, th- I think first and foremost, I had a, had a beautiful example of how to live the faith from, from my parents. And they always encouraged me growing up uh, to, to, to find out what God was calling me to and, uh, and then do it.
0: Right. And what was the special thing you did with the rosary every night? The special thing we did with it? Yeah. Well, we prayed it every night. I know, but how did you guys pray it and how you can't pray a rosary when you're sitting down anymore? Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so so even when I was a very little kid, that's right.
1: You have a good memory. I do. <laughs> um, so, so even when I was a little kid, we'd pray the rosary in the evening, right? And, uh, and actually, when I was very little, uh, it was after we, w- we would go to bed, and then the parents would pray it, and we'd kind of listen. And then as you got older, you'd lead, you'd lead a mystery, right? Um, but, but oftentimes, I would drift off to sleep as my parents were praying the rosary. And to this day, if, if I pray the rosary and I'm like sitting down in the evening, I, w- I won't get through it. I'll go to sleep, you know? <laughs> it's great if I'm having trouble getting to sleep at night, you know? I just yeah. start praying the rosary, I'll be out. You know? Let your guardian angel finish. Funny. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so so yes, I do generally pray the rosary walking. Out. I just think so that's a great thing that a family should do. I know yeah. of another family that had different types of rosaries on their mantle, and it, whoever was the one who was going to lead got to choose which rosary they were going to pray with. Yeah, and right. There's so many different things that families can do, and I think praying a rosary together as a family is such a powerful thing. It, it was for our family
1: for sure. It just kind of became like this this it just it just grounded us you know because it was every night we were going to eat every evening we ate dinner together you know and there were exceptions and then every evening before bed we prayed the rosary together which is kind of like it was a good good thing to to go to the lord as a family we had we had a bowl of rosaries that we'd pass around (laughs) you have to pick your rosary Um, yeah yeah so so that was that was that was part of just the way we lived our faith and I think, I think made me open to the fact of, 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 like, asking the question, not just what do I want to do, but what is God calling me to uh, be and do with my life?
0: Well, not only that, too, weren't the saints very powerful for you because you were allowed to read any book, but then you always had to read a saint book in between? That's right. That's right. Again, a great memory. So, so yeah, I was,
1: I was not a big reader compared to some of my sisters, but we read a lot. And, and so, because
0: uh, you didn't have a TV, or were you allowed to watch TV, or no?
1: Yeah, on Saturday nights we would watch TV. Uh, well, movies, TV, something like that. Okay, uh, but that was it. Wow. That was it. Um, so, so we didn't we didn't watch a lot of TV. So I read a lot of books. TV raised me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: HBO <laughs> and Showtime in the eighties.
1: <laughs> you you've been you've been slowly uh, culturing me to that world. As, yeah, a little uh, bit. So we live at Divine Child. Yes um so so yeah read a lot and mom's rule was always you'd read um you'd read one fun book and then you'd read like a saint book or something and she had these great little like kids books for for saints and so got to know the saints a lot as a kid and kind of get familiar with their stories and you do as a kid you're kind of like oh i want to be like that you know or i could see myself like that or oh i don't i don't know if i could do that
0: you know so it was it was a cool way to kind of get to
1: know them on a personal
0: level as yeah. a kid. Because when you read stories, you want to identify with the main character. Yeah, cool. And you, those are exactly. the saints. Like I'm reading a book right now and I, I, I do not like the main character. And it, I want to finish Ooh. the book because I only have like sure. so much more to go. But I just I don't like the characters in the book. I actually.
1: Like just, yeah, that could make it for a tough read. It's right? a tough read. Yeah, yeah So for sure.
0: But St. Ignatius, you know, when he read holy books and the lives of the saints, he thought to himself, well, why can't I be like a St. Francis? Why can't I yeah. be like this? And yeah, that's right. That's
1: yeah. right. So, yeah, so, so grew up in a very Catholic family. Uh, and actually, first first thought about the priesthood um, when I was 10. And it just kind of popped into my head. I didn't stop to think where it came from. It wasn't something I actively thought up. It was just kind of like, oh, I'll be a priest. And I was like, sure, why not? Told my parents, they didn't think much of it, um, and, and my understanding of a priest, you know, it grew as I grew, but it was very rudimentary as a ten-year-old, right? Uh, I'd seen priests at church, you know, um, they get up every day and say mass, they pass around a little basket for the money, that's about it, right? Uh, not quite, <laughs> but uh, but I was, and our family, we we knew priests, and I think that. Um, I think that helped as well, but so that idea was kind of planted when I was ten, and it stuck with me. Um, I'd say I struggled with it a bit in high school, or more of just kind of wanted to push it aside. Because you know, as I'm growing, my understanding of the priesthood's growing. You realize, oh, priests don't get married, don't have a family, right? And uh, especially going into high school, you're like, no, I, I kind of want that. Um, so, so I kind of, I kind of pushed priesthood out of my mind then, and kind of followed my own path. I, I, uh, wanted to be a doctor, right, so that's, that's kind of what I was going towards, even in high school, uh, get to senior year of high school, and, uh, yeah, I was ready, I'd applied, been accepted to the school I wanted to go to, and, uh, everything was great, and then went on a silent retreat, uh, it was my dad and I, actually, and, uh, in the silence, there was a lot of time for prayer, not much time to distract myself, and, uh, I think actually at first, uh, certainly that voice came back, that thought, that idea came back. Oh, maybe you should be a priest. And I kind of felt like it was from God. And I kind of didn't want to listen to it. And, and kind of actually felt like God was trying to trap me into something that I didn't want to do. Hmm. And I wanted nothing to do with that, right? Um,
0: Isn't that like a common response, especially for us men? Uh, right? We want our freedom. And then yeah. when we're kind of told something, it's almost as if, like, you're going to. Take away my freedom. At least that's our first response. Yeah, I, I, think. I, th- I think that's, that's right. Very that was common. certainly yeah. in
1: my life what well, my first response to the Lord was. Um, yeah, so I wrestled with him for a little bit, and it definitely was that. I didn't want to be trapped into something. Like
0: Jacob wrestled uh, the angel? There you go. There you
1: go. Uh, very scriptural of you. But but I remember it coming to a moment at retreat where uh, I was in before the Eucharist, right, in adoration, exposition. So Jesus was out on the altar and and I was just kinda I was just kinda sitting there and I wasn't necessarily like actively wrestling at this point. I was just I was just sitting with the Lord. I was kinda tired actually. And uh, I just get the sense and it wasn't like a voice from the clouds or anything like that, but I just got the sense that Jesus was, was not at all trying to force me into anything. Right? And he was he was actually saying like it was almost like he was say, you know, this plan that you have for yourself, being a doctor, getting married, having a family. I even knew what my house I wanted it to look like, right? Um, what kind of house we, do you want? Kind of like a colonial style, but I liked those big pillars on the porch. Like I wanted a big porch yeah. with the pillars and then blue spruces. So like white pillars and then blue spruces around the edges. And Man, we're so different about like, our <laughs> styles and what we
0: want. <laughs> it's very true. We are. We are. Uh
1: but but so, so that vision was there, and the Lord was saying, that, that's good, right? And you could do that, and you'd be happy, and I'd bless you in that. Uh, but if you were to become a priest, that'd also be a good thing, right? And I'd bless you in that as well. And, and really, I got the sense he was saying, I'm asking you to do this for me, right? Like, will you do this for me? And uh, I think at that moment, it was, it suddenly became clear, like, God's not trying to trap me into anything. He's not going to ask me to do something that I'd be miserable doing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he's going to ask me to do what he created me to do, mm-hmm. right? A- and ultimately, I'm going to be the happiest doing that. And so it was kind of that moment I, I really I stopped, stopped fighting, and I just I surrendered, right? I said, "Okay, Lord, you know I'll I'll become a priest for you." And, and a very peaceful rest of the retreat after that, um, which is often a sign, right, of God. That's what St. Ignatius says. Uh, so, so yeah, I, that was. I mean, that was really kind of the turning point in, uh, in high school. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't discernment over. You kind of get off of a retreat sometimes and you start second guessing yourself. Like, was that really God or was that just me going crazy in the silence? Uh, but, but I, I knew that that was God, right? Deep down I knew. And I said, I have to give God a chance, right? And, uh, so once I kind of knew priesthood, then the question was, uh, diocesan or religious order? Yeah. Right? And I think we talked about this a little bit. Yeah, and
0: then also to just to kind of back up a little bit, I think yeah. with your praying, you know, like God giving you a family that prayed well and prayed together, that I think you understood the Good Shepherd's voice, like you knew His voice. Yeah. So like That's you, a good could, point. Yeah, you could, yeah, you could distinguish between your voice, the world's voice, or God's voice. And like guess you keep on saying, you know, I, I knew it was God. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and a lot sure. and a lot of guys will ask me, point. "How do I know God is asking me to do this?" Well, do you know his voice? Yeah. You have to be praying in order to know your vocation. If you're not praying, 100%. you're never going to know your vocation. So that's first and foremost, is just get your prayer life in order. Oh, 100%. And that was actually
1: something cuz I talked to my pastor a little bit about this early on, and he had just said like, "Well, you can't really do anything now other than pray." Right? And that was his it was kind of like almost like be a disciple, learn how to follow Jesus just in everyday life. And then when that bigger decision comes up, you'll you'll know his voice.
0: And that could be hard for people because they just, we want it now, right? I can order something on Amazon and it comes the next day and it's just like, well, why do I have to wait? Why do I have to pray if yeah. I have this feeling? Why should I betray that or something? You know? Sure, sure.
1: No, that's a good point. But yeah, prayer is so, so key, right? Yeah. Uh, especially... I think as I hear so many and it's been a blessing doing this podcast, hear so many vocation stories. It seems like so often it's it's prayer in front of the blessed sacrament. You know? And there's a real presence there that that, you know, in the silence God can speak. Yeah. Not like not like a booming voice, right? Sometimes we, we have unrealistic expectations for how clear God's gonna be. Sometimes he is, right? Yeah. But other times it's a little more subtle. Yeah. But God speaks. God speaks. Amen. We just gotta listen. Learn how to listen.
0: Yeah. So now you're um, you're accepted to college and everything like that. And yeah. What do you do?
1: Start looking into uh, different orders, actually. I started with the orders, not, uh, not the diocesan priesthood. I think there was just... I'd known a lot of priests in orders who seemed to really be living out the call in a very, like, dedicated or... or like, they seemed like they were all in for the Lord, right? And there was something very... Uh, appealing to me about that. So I actually started with a couple orders and discerning with them and actually discerning with Father uh, Gonzalo, one of the Miele's Christi priests. I looked Mm -hmm. into that order for a little bit. And he actually helped me to see that like, you know, the reason you join an order is not just because you see a bunch of like really great guys in the order, right? That an order has a charism and and you want to feel called to that particular charism to join that order. And I guess that helped me because when I thought about like, this call to the priesthood, I always kind of imagined myself doing what a parish priest does, right? And mm-hmm. I didn't feel particularly called to any of the, the charisms of the orders that I was looking into. And so that, that really helped me to say, well, maybe I should give the diocesan priesthood a try. And so I uh, talked to Father Bernie, your predecessor. Mm-hmm. I was the vocations director at the time. And he said, well, why don't you come on uh, a discernment weekend? Actually, I came on an overnight first because even though I was a senior, I was 17. He said overnight, so I came on the overnight. And then he's like, "Oh, you're a senior. Well, you can come on a weekend too." So the joke was that I was just in it for the free food because I came to so many discernment uh, <laughs> events. Uh, but but it was really the weekend when I, I was staying here, and uh, it just just meeting some seminarians. Father Chris Muir, at the time just Chris Muir. I remember playing pool with him, and oh. like this is just a normal guy, and we talked about like woodworking together. And uh, he kind of made fun of me a little bit because I was terrible at pool, but he wasn't much better. So uh, so it was just like, it was a very human interaction, but also some really good prayer in the chapel, and it just felt like home. And uh, I was like, I could see myself being here. And So I asked for an application after that weekend, and Father Bernie gave it to me, and filled it out, and got accepted.
0: And hence the saga continues of all A's in the seminary. <laughs> You like to bring that up, don't you? I do. I do. And uh, I asked Father David uh, if in high school and grade school, if he got all A's. And I heard that he did. So Father All-A Dave <laughs> <laughs> is is uh, a force to be reckoned with. Why don't you talk a little bit about how you came out of your shell in the seminary? Because you said you were very quiet before.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I would say... Um... Yeah, I was definitely on the quiet side. Uh, definitely my biggest fear coming into seminary was public speaking. Um, I just did—I did not see myself ever getting up in front of large amounts of people and, uh, and, uh, and, and talking. Like, I just—I could not see myself doing that. Um, and, yeah, I was pretty quiet when I started seminary. Uh, it was not like—I don't know. I think it was it was the brotherhood that really drew me out of my shell— Um, My first year in seminary, I was on the garden level of the college. So we don't call it the basement. That's what it is. But we call it the garden level because it sounds a little classier. And uh, there were a whole bunch of seminarians down there all first year.
0: Father Paranatisha, as we Father Paranatisha
1: was there. Um, Knocking on everybody's door to make sure everybody was going to Holy Hour in the morning. (laughs) That he would. Yes. Yes, that's right. Um, It's all
0: coming together. I know, at, I know. Well, look at this. These stories are throwback. You listening. should go listen they're to coming, that podcast too. You know, yeah, all of them. Just put it on repeat. Right. Well, maybe not the own. first one, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe start with the Archbishop. <laughs> there
1: you go. There you
0: go. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: <laughs> Anyways, so um, there was just, there was a beautiful brotherhood, and there's so many instances where it just like built these lasting friendships that I still have today, right? That started then, um, and yeah, they, they did bring me out of my shell. Uh, quite a bit
0: quite a bit because Father David knows everybody and for some reason if I tell Father David anything he already knows he's like Yeah, I already heard that (laughs) I'm like who did you talk to he just knows everybody well I don't know about that but uh, you do you do get to know a
1: lot of people in seminary Right? And uh, I, I really enjoyed the brotherhood. I joke sometimes and say like after, you know, growing up with seven sisters, it was, I needed brothers, you know. Yeah. But, but it, there was a beautiful brotherhood in a sense that like even though we came from very different backgrounds, we were all in this together, right? And we were journeying towards the same goal and we were going through the same things together, whether it's getting up for 6 a.m. holy hour or classes or discernment. Uh, we were in it as brothers. And uh I think I still was very um unsettled by the idea of public speaking. I was very nervous in all of the preaching classes and exercises. I think I overprepared and probably did a lot of stuttering um but uh yeah but that was that was so those were rough but somehow when I got uh out into the parish as a deacon, the Lord just gave the grace and uh and I actually love preaching uh love love doing that now
0: so hey you do a pretty good job.
1: Oh, well thank you. It's high praise coming from someone who, hey. uh, who taught preaching in seminary.
0: You can go to a Divine Child uh, Facebook page and look at past <laughs> homilies, right? So they That's can true. check They're, out your That's true. Well,
1: homilies. it might, might not be on Facebook. It might be on YouTube
0: now. YouTube now. Somewhere. Check it out, people. Out check there. out Father David preaching it up. He can preach up a storm. Well, I, I enjoy it. I, I really do. So, Father David. So yes, you, you've, you've went through school. You went through seminary. Eight years been, of it. You've been ordained now for three years. three years. The archbishop has listened to the podcast. He's he's heard about all the A's that <laughs> you've gotten.
1: I think I think he already knew that. They give him pretty thorough reports when we are in seminary.
0: He, since you know everybody, everybody has talked to him. And the archbishop recently asked you to do something that's going to change your life. Why don't you explain to us what the archbishop asked you to do what you're going to do and what that's going to look like for the for your life coming up. Absolutely,
1: yeah. Well, uh, so here it is. Uh, long story short, Archbishop asked me to uh, to actually not be in parish ministry for a little while, starting uh, in July, which is when my three years would be up, but instead to study and get a doctoral degree in dogmatic sacramental theology are
0: you hearing this people to go back to school <laughs> he's, right. he's going to risk going to risk possibly oh not gosh. getting all a's because he's going back to school for not just one year or two years it should be about five years right? about five years wow. yep. Yep. explain what, what are you doing and what are you getting and how do you get it
1: and so, where are you live um, and
0: how's that going to look for your yeah, priesthood yeah so well i don't really know yet you know it's
1: kind of an adventure but uh but the school I'll be going to is it's called the Pontifical Athenaeum of Sant' Anselmo. It's in Rome. So I'll be I'll be living and studying in in Rome.
0: Do you need to know uh, Italian?
1: I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all my classes will be in Italian. Do you know Italian? Yeah, not yet. <laughs> I did download Duolingo though. So that's a start. Um, but yeah, so so I'll be there and uh Kind of ecclesiastical degrees work a little different than the secular degrees in the U.S. So, you know, we have like a bachelor's degree, then a master's degree, then a Ph.D. Whereas um, ecclesiastical degrees, they kind of have three cycles in the postgraduate. So instead of like master's, Ph.D., they have what's called a baccalaureate, sacred theology, then a licentiate, then a doctorate. So I have the baccalaureate, which kind of more or less matches up to master's level, maybe a little below. So I got that at Sacred Heart. But I'll have to get the STL, they call it the licentiate, and then the doctorate. How
0: long does it take to get the STL?
1: That's two years. I should be able to finish that in two.
0: And then another two years for the doctorate and a year writing the thesis? Something like that, Do you have to write a thesis for the STL as well? Yeah,
1: yeah, but that's shorter, so
0: like how short
1: i don't actually know maybe 75 pages oh I, that's I just know. short yeah well compared to the doctor
0: how much how long is the doctorate supposed to be i don't know i there's a lot i don't know you about should this. know all these types of I'll, things I'll, already i'll figure it out as i go along. <laughs> you
1: know, it'll come to me. so
0: so you're going to be living in italy then of course yes um yep. so what is that going to look like for you how are you going to live as a priest great question um there's, there's a house
1: over there called Casa Santa Maria, and it's where American priests who are studying in Rome live. So at any point, there's probably somewhere around 40 guys there. So I'll be living with them.
0: So that's cool. You got like a community and everything.
1: Yeah. So You have a community. You, you have some common prayer there that you can join in. You have meals there provided. So it's, it's very nice. It's kind of like a dorm uh, for priests. So that's where I'll be living and then commuting to the, the particular school that I'm at.
0: So. But you'll be in Rome. Yes. Yes. So, like after class, you could just go see this Caravaggio if you wanted to. And go pop
1: into St. Peter's. Yeah, yeah. Pray for a little bit. Or yeah, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. In the heart of the the Eternal City. That's okay. awesome. So yeah, I, I, I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to it. So,
0: so, why don't you explain what you're very excited about, and then what maybe your greatest fears are as well as you go out there? Because Ooh. I mean, to every assignment that the Archbishop asks us, we you know we're like, okay, there's some Joy and happiness in the midst of what we're going to do and excitement about it. But then there's certain fears that come along as well, I would assume. Yeah. Unless you are fearless. Oh, no. <laughs> well, let's right. And in let's philosophy, if, you, if you're fearless, that's just rashness and that's, yeah, that's not, not a that's, good thing. That's not a yeah. good thing, right?
1: Yeah, Aristotle would not approve. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think what I'm looking forward to most is just diving back into learning. I, I, I do love learning right I, I love I, lo- I love taking in knowledge right and discovering new things and uh, I mean essentially Archbishop's given me five years to do just that right to really dive in and learn and that's actually something like after seminary that I've missed a little bit being in the parish like I absolutely love parish ministry but it's hard to fit in those times where you can just like be learning new things right yeah. and so 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 I'm looking forward to that the most I think Um and part of that's just being in Rome will be, I'm sure, amazing. Like, there's a lot to take in there and learn just from the city itself and the history that's there. Uh, you know, you can go to the catacombs, you can go to even pre Christian stuff like the Colosseum, the Circus Maximus. Um, so, so, I think I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting back into that mode of just like learning. Um, what am I nervous about? Well, <laughs> living overseas, for one. Yeah, right. There's just, there's so much I don't know. Like, what kind of plugs do they use over there? I think it's different than here. Oh, well, yeah, it is. Um, yeah. But, so small things like that to just big things. Um, but I think I look at it like an adventure, right? There's a lot of unknowns. We'll just take them as they come. Also, I'm a little nervous. Am I going to be able to understand my classes in Italian? You know? Uh, yeah.
0: You do know Spanish pretty well, and you do know Latin pretty well. As yeah, so... So that that gives me a leg up,
1: right? And and the the semester doesn't start till October, so I'll have a couple months after my assignment ends here, July one, to to go over there and be in kind of an immersion program to really kind of wrap my head around the language.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. I just think it's awesome that you got this city that you're gonna live in. That's you know, it's a museum. The it city is, is a it museum. Really is. Like you can go somewhere different every single day and really just take in. And I think that's a lesson in itself of, of learning. Yeah. Uh, just being overseas and, and seeing such beauty.
1: There is, there's a lot of beauty. We just went, um, the one time as seminarians for a couple of days we spent there and felt like we just barely glimpsed a little bit of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to that. I'm going to, I'm going to miss the parish like crazy, you know? But, uh, I mean, I kind of knew a new assignment was coming. It's yeah. usually three years in. I didn't know it was going to be this, but, uh,
0: I know it's like you know you were preparing on what parish you were going to next and yeah. then all of a sudden you got called into his office and it was like how did how how did that conversation go Oh the the call Yeah Did you get into the moose room yeah. <laughs> Yes I was in the moose room For our listeners well, <laughs> there's there's a room in which the archbishop likes to meet um his priests and There's a moose on the wall, and it's crying, actually. And for (laughs) some people, it's tears of joy or tears of sorrow. Were they tears of joy when the Archbishop asked you to? I
1: I think they were tears of joy. We say it. that moose could talk, the stories he could tell. Uh, But so, so, yeah, it was very interesting because I got a call from Father Dave Tomazicki, Who's the Archbishop's secretary, mm-hmm. right? And he he called me up, and it was it was pretty pretty short and to the point. He's like, "Hey, Dave, how are you? Good, Dave. You know." And uh, he's like, "Well, the Archbishop would like to meet with you. You're not in trouble. Uh, <laughs> can you come in on Wednesday? You know what works." So we found a date. Um, so so I was very happy that he could say that much. You know, you're not in trouble because you wander a little bit. Um, but then yeah, got in and and uh, yes, we sat in the Moose Room, and he. He was very kind about it. He, he explained like, you know, we're going to need um, eventually, you know, someone to teach at seminary. And the assignment's not to teach at seminary, it's just to get this degree, right? But the idea is that, you know, who knows what the future holds, but good possibility that might be what I'd do with this degree, was come back and teach at yeah. the seminary. So he explained like, you know, we're going we're to need another professor in sacramental theology. Um, and he said that he thought, you know, I'd, I'd be a good candidate for this. Uh, would I be willing to to pursue these these further studies, um, he said he said he'd like to make that my assignment starting in July, uh, but if I thought I was going to be miserable doing it, let him know and he'll find someone else. So it was, it was very kind of him.
0: Uh, did it and, take you time to think about it, or did you just respond right in the right in the moment?
1: No, actually, I uh, I responded right in the moment. I said, No, I'd be happy to do that if that's what yeah. you know. And
0: churches. that's what you wanted to learn too, Sacramento Theology, right? Yeah,
1: well, I always was interested in, like, systematics and then ecclesiology and sacramental theology. So, yeah. Explain
0: systematics to me and listeners. (laughs) Systematics is just like, it's like
1: how it all fits together, like how all the different theology fits together. So kind of like a systematic way of looking at the whole range of theology.
0: Okay, and ecclesiology is? Uh, Like
1: study of the church, right? Theology of the church. Right, And obviously the sacraments are a big part of what the church does, so they kind of go together. Yeah.
0: yeah. What's your thesis going to be on? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I got a little time to figure that out just yet.
1: So. One thing that's interested me lately from the philosophy class, actually, the kids were asking about the angels because they're like, we never learn about the angels. So like how the angels help to mediate grace because the sacraments do the same thing. So yeah. that kind of interests me. I don't know if there's a thesis in there or not, but
0: we'll yeah. see. And so now you got, what, a couple more months left at uh, Divine Child? Uh, Yep. What what does your life look at Divine Child? Is it sort of kind of bittersweet as you're like, this is my last time in a parish for the next five years?
1: Yeah, so it it definitely is. Um, Right now I think I'm just mostly just very thankful for the time that I've had, the time that I still have there. Uh, But it definitely was kind of surreal celebrating like Christmas Mass. Because uh, Archbishop called me not not too long before Christmas, to 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 ask me this, so I'm celebrating Christmas Mass and just kind of wondering as I as I say the Mass, like when's the when's the next time that I'll I'll celebrate a Christmas Mass publicly, you know? Yeah. Because I won't I won't have a parish per se at least while I'm over there, so it's just and so sometimes you think about that, you know? Oh, that's my last uh, last football game at Divine Child or last basketball game. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure I'll I'll, I'll miss just the, the beauty of parish life and, and on all the wonderful people at Divine Child because it's a it's a great community, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but yeah, you kind of there's also a piece in knowing like if you're doing what the Archbishop asks, you're doing what the Lord is calling you to. So you don't yeah. you don't no regrets, I would say, you know, you just
0: well, this, follow the Lord. Yeah, right? this is exciting. I think, you know, you come to the you know, archdiocesan, and, um, you know, become a priest in, in this, you don't think something like that is going to happen. And it's just, um, it's what the Holy Spirit is asking of you. And there's a lot of unknowns and that's part of the adventure. And yeah. I think there's a lot of unknowns for just a, a regular guy coming in and what is seminary life going to look like? What's life going to look like after seminary? Where yeah. is the Lord going to lead him? Yeah. You know, and that could be simply having a small parish for the rest of his life. You know, yeah. you never know. But that's mm-hmm. where the Lord wants you. And if you can find happiness in the Lord's will, you'll find yeah. happiness anywhere. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's not necessarily easy, right? There's a struggle to it. I mean, you don't sure. know Italian. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what it's going to look like over there. What if you got to go to the dentist or the hospital or whatever, it's true. you know? It's like, true. Well, but what happens I... when you get your first B? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think I... you just never let that one go do no, you. I'm not yeah. going to, no. <laughs> so, and
1: I think for me it's uh <laughs> I was actually thinking about that uh, I was thinking about that uh, kind of like even looking back at my own vocation story, it just seems like there have been times when I've kind of had in my mind consciously or unconsciously a plan of what my life is going to look like, and very often uh what the Lord ends up having for me is so different, but so much better right yeah and, and so so yeah going over there it's like there's unknowns, right will there be difficulties yes, but but anything worth doing there's going to be challenges yeah right? and so again it's just kind of there's a peace in knowing like this is what the Lord's calling me to and and he's like, like like
0: I said in my vocation story, he's not going to call you to do something you'd be miserable doing, right? So yeah. um, uh, I'm excited. What's really interesting too is that um, the different schools that I've been going to, the kids will ask sometimes three or four or five times about like, what happens if you don't want to be a priest anymore? What happens oh, if sure. you made a mistake? This idea of if I choose something to make a mistake, what is my life going to look like? I think that's what a lot of the young people are afraid of. Well what if that's a mistake? And I keep on telling For, them it's not gonna be a mistake if you do this correctly. You're you're gonna find what your vocation is. If you're praying, if you go eight years to seminary, you're gonna know whether or not you're called to the priesthood. Not only are you discerning, but the church is discerning as well. But I think there's a big fear with young people today of I got so many options. And yes. it's hard to yes. make a choice because if I make a choice, I'm saying no to something else. And maybe that's where my happiness was going to be or is going uh, to be. And I just, what would you say to that father, David? Like, like what would calm the fears of, of some of these high school yeah. students that are asking these questions? Cause I, I don't know how to answer them sometimes. I mean, it's like, no, I made a commitment and there's a blessing when you make yeah, that commitment right, and live right, that right, out. Right. Well,
1: so it's interesting. Uh, kind of two two anecdotes on this if, if you will Please. one comes from a uh, philosophy class with my students because we talk about this similar things to this all the time and uh, I think I think as we talked it's all about it's all about freedom I think like you don't want to limit your options mm, right yeah, because yeah. once you've chosen this said yes to this whatever it is this person this potential spouse you've said no to all the rest right and what if it's the wrong one right uh, but one of the things Aristotle says is happiness is an activity. That means it's never just free-floating, right? So you have to be acting. You have to be choosing, right? Because if, if you're keeping all your options open, you're potentially all these things, but you're actually nothing, right? But when you actually are something, then you're actually living, right? So, uh, so, so that's kind of a philosophical way of coming at it. Um, but uh, I think there's also
0: a great— um, You're just potential—
1: yeah it, nobody wants to just live their life uh kind of like a this potential this state of of constant like uh i don't know yeah potential whatever you want to call it yeah. um but I as time can... goes
0: on, those potentials go away as well they right? do anyways right yeah, yeah. Right, like so if you're like twenty five and and you wanted to be an astronaut you're, you're a little too late you needed to go to sure you sure. know air force to begin with yeah right <laughs> off right right you right know, like so those things if you don't make a choice actually You lose, and and sometimes I get guys that call me in in their in their later years, and the time has passed for them already. They can't, yeah, they can't say yes to it anymore.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the other thing I think is a great grace is especially when we're discerning a vocation is the sacrament, right? Because I had two weddings this uh, this past weekend, right, And, and one of them, as I was talking and working with the couple. They just talked about how there was a lot of, like, nervousness initially, you know. Even even after the engagement, like, have we chosen the right person? Like, God bless them. They want to do what God is calling them to. And, and there was a bit of that fear of, like, uh, is this the one kind of. And uh, and what, what, what I think is beautiful about the sacrament is once you receive the sacrament, that's God kind of setting his stamp of approval on your choice of a vocation, hmm. your choice of a spouse. Yeah. So it's like for them it's like, yeah, they can have those doubts up until the wedding, but then essentially what God's saying and giving them that sacrament is like, like I approve, and now I'm saying this is also now my plan for you, right, to be with this person till death do you part. And there's something beautiful about, it. and it's, you could say the exact same thing about ordination, right? Yeah. You could you could discern in seminary, and uh, and the church is discerning on your behalf as well. Uh, But if you get to that point and you have confidence, you know, even if it's not absolute certitude, if you have confidence, this is what the Lord's calling you to do. You lay down on that marble, you get ordained, and God's saying, yes, this is what I'm calling you to with that sacrament. Uh And and, and again, he's not going to call you to something that's going to make you miserable. He's going to call you to something that's deeply uh, joyful and fulfilling and uh, and living out that vocation, right, which you can't live it out if you don't choose it. Uh, Living out that vocation is just... That's how you're gonna find happiness. That's how you're gonna find ultimately eternal happiness in heaven,
0: right? That's your path. Yeah. So. That's great, Father David. Well, this has been great talking to you, and it's uh, kind of sad for us. Uh, sad for me. I knew I was gonna lose you as a as a housemate because you were gonna go on to another parish, but now you're yeah. gonna go off to a different country. So, what is that gonna look like? I, I mean, yeah. what's it going to look like for our podcast? I, I don't know if there's anybody that can replace you, Father David. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to be flying back from uh, from Rome each each month yeah. as uh, yeah. as wonderful as, as this has been. And I, you know, we'll have a few more together. But I've really I've really enjoyed this, you know. And I think I've said this before, but as priests, we don't always hear the vocation stories. You know, we, we talk to each other, we hang out. And we've told our vocation stories so many times, it feels like, you know, oh, everybody must know them. But I've gotten to know a lot of priests better through this podcast, just hearing their stories. Yeah. And just a new appreciation for how the Lord works, you know. So so thanks for the invitation. This yeah, has been, no a, been this has an been honor great. to me. And, uh, uh, yeah, I look forward to our last couple, couple episodes yeah. together.
0: So. Well, why don't you lead us out in a prayer?
1: Sure, let's do that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, I ask your blessing on... Any young men discerning a vocation, uh, especially discerning that call to the priesthood, uh, may you bless them in their discernment. May you help them to see clearly how best to follow you and then to to fill them with, with courage uh, to choose that vocation, to, to live it out wholeheartedly. Um, Lord, we, we pray for an increase, uh, not just in, in call to the priesthood, but an increase in response, especially in this year of prayer for priestly vocations. We entrust ourselves, our own vocations to the Blessed Mother. Uh, in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. amen. Father, Father, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit amen. amen. You've been listening to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father Craig Guerra, and me Father David Pelican. As we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com.